help me preach this morning. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them I'm blessed. Tell your neighbor you're blessed. You are online. Type in the comments, I am blessed. Let's own it before the message even comes. Let's own it before it gets preached. We are blessed. And if you, you don't need any other weekend other than Memorial Day weekend to know how blessed you truly are and how blessed I truly am. So uh, let me start this way. Um, many of you, you maybe grew up, or maybe you're doing it right now, playing games with your family. Uh, board games, card games, uh, our family. Like, I remember playing Sorry, right? Life, Trouble, Monopoly. That was one of our favorites. I was always the little terrier dog. Like, if I couldn't be the dog, I'm like, I ain't playing. You know, I'm not doing it. I was kind of a brat. So, um, but, and there were some days I wish I wasn't playing because three hours into the game, it's still going. Like, that game doesn't end. I, eventually, I'm like, you know what? Just, I want to go to jail. Put me to jail. I don't want to pass go. I don't want to collect $200. Just let me stay in jail. I'm going to bed. It was, it's a long game. But we would play it all the time. So uh, a while back, I introduced uh, a game to my family, poker. Yeah, father of the year, I know. So we're, we're, I'm teaching the kids and Jody uh, how to play poker. Now, Jody and Ava, I'm going to be honest, they weren't, they weren't real excited. They weren't really into it. They played a little bit. But Jake, Jake enjoyed it, maybe a little too much. But anyway, Jake, so we would play poker, and I'm teaching Jake how to play cards. And, uh, you know, to teach him, sometimes you got you, you to gotta beat him, right? That's how you learn. You kind of get beat on a little bit. So I, I was beating Jake, and he was getting frustrated. And I said, Jake, all you need is a chip and a chair, right? If you have one chip and you got a chair to sit on, you, you, you're still in the game. And I kid you not, right after I told him that, it, it might have been like, a, I don't know, a couple days later, we're playing a game, and Jake has, he has more than one. He probably has four chips left, four poker chips and I have, the, I have the whole stack, and I'm, you know, rubbing it in because I'm a good dad. So uh, Jake's, I said, Jake, you got to go all in. Say all in. All in means that you got to just put all your chips in the, in the table. You got to put them all in. If you lose, it's over. If you win, you double your stack. So Jake goes all in. He wins the hand. Jake goes all in again because his stack was still kind of small. He wins the hand. He does it again, wins the hand. He won like six in a row. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is, um, so our stacks are now back to even. Like, it's back to how we started. And I finally get a hand. Three of a kind, face cards. And I'm like, all right, now it's my turn to go all in. So I said, Jake, I'm all in. So I, I knew what I had. And Jake, and I said, I, I love Jake. I said, Jake, don't call me, okay? You, you Fold. Go to the, if you want to keep playing the game, don't call. Just fold. Take your beating on this one, and you'll live to see another day. But, of course, Jake doesn't listen to Dad a lot. So Jake decided to call me. He said, Dad, I'm all in too. And I'm like, all right, we got a little Mexican standoff here, don't we? Whatever that is. So I don't know. So, so he calls me, and then you lay your cards down and kind of show, and we still have one card left to go. So I, I put down my three of a kind, and I said, Jake, I told you. And he throws down garbage. He has like a, a, a four, five, six, eight, whatever. Actually, no, it wasn't an eight. He had a five, six, seven, nine, like two. Like, the only way he could beat me with this last card coming out would be an eight. Like, that's the only card that could beat me. So I'm dealing. So I, I, I grab it from the top of the deck or whatever, and I look at it. You want to guess what it was? I, I, I'm like, I, Jake's like, what, Dad, what? I said, are you kidding? So I, I hateful eight. I, I throw the eight down. Jake's like, yeah, like he did something. I'm like, Jake, that's so lucky. I mean, I must have looked like Joey from Friends when he's shocked. You get this look. I'm like, I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? There's no way. So Jake beats me. And it turns out it wasn't a fluke. 
because after we played, Jake, Jake beat me a few more times, and I was literally, you know, at first you kind of give slack. Then I was trying to beat him, and he kept beating me. And I'm like, this is embarrassing. I said, Jake, but he had a talent. I said, Jake, I said, we should invite your friends over, right? You could teach them how to play poker. And, and, I, and I said, Jake, have them bring their money, right? And Jody's like, Monty. I'm like, okay, yeah, have them bring their money, right? So Jody wants him to get a job. That could be it. He's a pit boss. So, um, it, but, but, but there's something, the reason I bring it up is there's something about going all in. There's something about taking all the chips and pushing them to the center and saying it's all or nothing. If I win, I win. If I lose, I'm done. See, some of you, you walked in here today. Some of you, you logged in online. And, you, and you're thinking to yourself, what, what, am I, what am I missing in life? Like, there's some, like, we ask God to show up in our lives, right? Some of you, you need him to show up in an area of your life. And you've asked him. And it's like, we prayed about it, God. Still don't feel you. We're in church doing what we're supposed to do. I still don't sense you. Like, I'm just not feeling it. My, my, my faith is kind of like blah. Like the person next to me, they're waving their hands and they're singing. But not me. I mean, I want to punch them. I, I'm just not there, God. I'm just not there. You ever been there? And we think, God, you're holding out on us. But what if it's not God holding out on us? What if it's us holding out on God? See, we're in a series called The Best Is Yet To Come. If, and before I give you the title, I truly believe that our biggest regrets in our life, the older we get, the more you're going to understand this, but the biggest regrets won't be the mistakes you made, right? It won't, that will not be your biggest regret. Your, your biggest re- regret, regret, easy, regret, get excited, the biggest regret, too much coffee, the biggest regret will be like the times that you missed because you were too busy, right, or too comfortable, It'll be the opportunities that, that you left on the table, the chips that you held back because you were maybe playing it too safe or you were too scared. That's, that's going to be what we regret. I'm convinced with all my heart, with everything in me, there's something about going all in and saying, God, I don't have it all figured out. Because if you got it all figured out, you probably don't need God in the equation. That's not a good thing. I wrote it. The best is yet to come if we take our chips and we push them all in. Well, what chips are you talking about, Pastor? Well, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll show you that. And, and the Word of God. Oh, the, 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 the story today, some of you are, may be familiar with it. Some of you, this will be the first time you ever heard it. I'm telling you. There, this guy, I'll get it to it in a second. It's in, it's in the book of Matthew. It's the, uh, let me, you got, you got, you got your Bible, so I want to show you where to go. Matthew 19. There's a story of a guy who really wanted to know how to go all in. Like, he asked Jesus. And he's, he's wondering, I want my life to, I want, you know, I want the best. And it's Matthew 19, 16. And it's this guy, and he's, he's doing well. He's got cash. He invested in crypto at the right time. He's got money. He's got popularity. He's got a platform. But he knew something was missing. And in verse, verse 16, chapter 19 of Matthew, someone, this man, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, what good thing, what good deed must I do? To have eternal life. And I'm telling you, it, that's about as all in as you get. Jesus already starts with kind of a curveball. And he says, well, why ask me about what is good? See, there's only one who is good. But you know what? To answer your question, sir, you want, you want to receive eternal life? Keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And the guy's like, okay. Now you're talking. Well, which ones? Like specifically, what can I do and what can't I do, right? That's what we like to know. Which lines can I cross? Which lines shouldn't I cross? Which ones, he says. And Jesus said, well, 
Don't kill people. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't testify falsely or lie. Honor your mom and your dad and love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy is like, yes, I'm doing it. I've done those things, sir. I've obeyed all those commandments. The young man replied. And then he says this. This is so weird. This is so odd that he asked this question. Do you see it? What else must I do? Why is he asking that? Like Jesus just said, obey the commandments. You said which ones? He listed them. You obeyed them. Wouldn't you just say, okay, I'm good. Eternal life is mine and walk away and do your thing. Why does he ask that question? Why does he ask that question? What else must I do? This is what I think. Despite the guy's platform, despite his religion, despite his morality, because he was pretty moral, he kept those commandments, despite all that, he, there was still something that was off. Like he still says to himself, what am I missing? He, it's like, this is, that, that's what it means when you follow all the rules, but you're not following Jesus. See, I'm doing everything. I'm in church. I'm reading the Bible. I'm not saying those bad words. I'm not watching those bad words. I'm doing it all. I just don't feel it. That he knew something was off. By the way, oh, by the way, Jesus wasn't pointing him to the commandments to show him how to be saved. Jesus pointed him to the commandments to show him that he needed to be saved. That's what he was doing. I'll show you that. Jesus tells the guy, so the conversation continues, and Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, and I'm sure the guy's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Who said anything about being perfect? I, Jesus, I just simply asked you, how, heaven. I just want to go to heaven. I just want eternal life. And Jesus is like, no, I get it. See, what we need to understand is everything in heaven is perfect. No unperfect things get into heaven. None. And if you're thinking, I'm screwed right now, right? There's still hope, I promise you. We'll get to that. If you want to be perfect, go and sell your stuff. Sell all your possessions. Give your money to the poor. And then, that eternity that you ask for, that treasure in heaven, you'll have that. And then come follow me. Jesus says, sell it all, give it away. What's Jesus doing? I put it down. Jesus is forcing the guy to examine his heart and determine his priorities. Determine Listen, sir, I know you said you kept the commandments. You're doing all the right things. You're dotting the I's. You're crossing the T's. But that's what you keep saying from your mouth. And we say it all the time at Meadows Church. It's not about what you declare. It's about what you demonstrate. And what he demonstrated said everything. It said it all because here's what he demonstrated. When the young man heard what Jesus said, you know, sell it all, give it away, then come follow me. He went away sad for he had many possessions. He walks away. He walks away. And by the way, so he didn't keep all the commandments, did he? You know the first commandment in the 10? It's, it's uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Did he have a God before Jesus? I think his wealth was before Jesus. I think his possessions were his idol. He said, it said it right there. He had many possessions. He walks away. So he, he wanted to call Jesus his savior. He just could not surrender to him as Lord. How many people fall into this category? God, I want the benefits of you. God, I want to follow you. I want those blessings. I want eternal life. I want all that good stuff. I just don't want to go all in to get it. That's what it was for this guy. He walks away. But think about it. What would you do? I mean, honestly, Jesus rolls up on you. He's like, hey, 
sell your home. I'd be like, I can do that. The home market's pretty good right now. I'd probably get a pretty good return on my investment. I could invest that, you know, live in an apartment. No, 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 Monty, sell your home and give it away. All the proceeds. What? Well, I suppose I could, I suppose I could live in my car for a little bit. No, 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 sell your car. And then give all that away. Well, dang, Jesus. Well, at least I have my job. No, 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 quit your job and follow me. Okay, Jesus, wait a minute. You don't even have your own place, do you? I mean, Follow you? What? You know, Jesus, I think I need to, I think I need to pray about it, okay? Now, pause. When someone tells you, I need to pray about it, okay, what they're saying is, no, okay? They're not just saying no, they're saying, heck no. If that's what they're saying. They're, they, I'll pray about it means, you know what? You will never see me again. That's what it means. So, he, I, I would need to pray about it. The rich young ruler is so crazy. He had so much. Think of how he could have leveraged that for the kingdom. His money and his stuff. He could have, his network. He would have been networked with people, right? His, his, his popularity. All the things that he had, he could have used it. And he keeps it. You're listening online? He keeps it all to himself. Your biggest blessing. Think about the ways. You said earlier, I'm blessed. Your biggest blessing, your greatest asset in your life becomes your greatest liability when you don't use it for the glory of God. Your greatest asset will become your greatest liability when you don't use it for the glory of God. His did. His possessions kept him out of heaven. His money kept him out of heaven. Jesus was so upside down as a king. I always say Jesus came to reverse the order of things. Does our world need reversing? We know the tragedy that took place in Texas. God, just heartbreaking. It's just one more stark reminder. We are just messed up people. We are in desperate need of Jesus. And it, but Jesus says, you have me. You've got my Holy Spirit. You can listen to him. Do what he prompts you to do. It will be different. So, so Jesus, one of my favorite scriptures is Luke 9, 23. And it's so, like I said, upside down. Listen to what Jesus says. And this is about people that want to follow Jesus, right? The guy said, I, I, want, I want eternal life. He wanted eternal life. He just didn't want to follow Jesus. Luke 9, 23. Jesus says to everybody in the crowd, hey, if you want to be my follower, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's right. Listen up. Here we go. You got to, you, you must give up your own way. Well, Jesus, you lost 90% of the crowd right there, just so you know. You must give up your own way. Take up a cross. Jesus, that sounds heavy and painful. Yeah, I know. So, and then follow me. In, in, in Luke 24, 924, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. The, young, the rich young ruler, what was he hanging on to? His stuff, his things. What did he lose? Everything. But if you give up your life for my sake, you're going to save your life. Jesus was so countercultural. It was crazy. You know what we just read? We just read that the key, okay, listen to this. This is gold. The key to self-fulfillment, like everybody says, I want to be fulfilled in life. I want to live a purpose-driven life. I want my life to matter. The key to your self-fulfillment is self-denial. That's what it is. It, it, it doesn't fill the seats when you preach it, but I'm telling you if, you, if you wrap your head around it and you go all in for it, it'll change everything. 
The key to self-fulfillment is self-denial. The more you give away, the more you enjoy what you have. It, it is a fact. It's like when we talk, oh, in, anyway. Part of me, I'm going to be honest with you, and maybe you feel the same way too about the rich young ruler. Part of me feels bad for him. I'm like, Jesus, why you got to be so hard on him? I mean, why, couldn't you lighten up a little bit? I mean, why are you going after everything? I mean, seriously, why does Jesus ask for it all? Why not just 10%, Jesus? You say, in Matthew 23, you said tithe. I mean, that would be the tithe, 10%. Why can't he just do that? Maybe throw in a camel or two that he donates to his most favorite charity. Why can't he just do that? Why do you want Jesus? Why you got to go for the jugular? That's exactly what Jesus did. He went for it all. He, he, to, he told the guy, you're going to go all in. Why, Jesus? Why did he have to go all in? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus loved that man too much to ask for anything less. I'll say it again. Jesus loved him too much to ask for anything less. See, we like to focus on what Jesus asks us to give up. Jesus, you want me to give up a Sunday morning? I mean, that's my weekend. That's the one day I get to sleep in. You want, what? You want me to go, oh, and then you want me to serve too? That's my entire morning, Jesus. 10% of my money? I don't think so, Jesus. I work hard all week for my money. You want 10%? You want me to spend time reading the word of God? That takes time, Jesus. I'm busy. Stranger Things 4 just came out. I got things to do. You know what I'm saying? No one laughed at that, but that's okay. 11 o'clock, I have a chance. So um, Jesus does ask for everything. The, the, the guy that held out on Jesus, this rich young ruler, I put this down. We, foc we focus on what Jesus asked us to give up, we fail to consider what he offers in return. Okay, the rich young ruler, <laughs> it isn't about what he, what he had to give up. Isn't it about all that he gave up? Think about what he gave up. Eternal life. Sir, you're, you're going you're gonna to leave. You're going you're gonna to leave. You're going to go back to your stuff and forego eternal life. Yep, that's exactly what he's going to do. That's exactly what he's going to do. And if you feel bad for him, I put this down. It shouldn't be because of what Jesus asked him to give up. It, you should feel bad for him because of everything he passed up. The, the people that are the most blessed people that I know are the, are the people that are, 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 are denying what they want for something greater than them. That's the key. And, but, but we have such selfish hearts. It's, it's the sin nature in us. We all do. Not just me or not just you. Us. We do. So we fight against this nature. But with the help of Christ and the Holy Spirit, we can overcome and live this life and go all in where God wants us to go all in. You know what that guy passed up? He passed up. He didn't just pass up eternal life. He passed up because eternal, I mean, new life starts today. When you give your life to Christ, abundant life starts today. He could have had, a, he, Jesus said, follow me. He could have hung with Jesus for three years. That's a three-year internship. What do you think that is with Jesus? What do you think that's worth? Right? Jesus, the greatest teacher, whoever taught, the greatest leader, whoever led, the greatest speaker, whoever spoke. And you know he was a good cook. Throw that in. Ladies, he didn't just cook well. He cleaned up after himself. It's Jesus. He just did it the right way. <laughs> so all those things. Plus, they, I mean, they got to brew their own wine. You ever think about that? Like, make their own wine. Jesus is like, hey, Matthew, bring, bring the water. All right, Jesus, what else you need? Jesus is like, that's it. Well, watch this. Okay, he turns it to wine. It's like the, <laughs> it makes me think of the story of the pastor, because that's what I am. 
the pastor that gets picked up by the police because he's driving erratically. This is like my biography. So uh, the pastor is driving erratically. He gets picked up by the cop. And the cop's like, sir, you're driving out of control. You've been drinking? He says, absolutely not, officer. I just got water here. So the cop grabs his glass and takes a sip. He's like, that's wine. The pastor's like, oh, my God, praise Jesus. He did it again, you know? So anyway, so that's, if that ever happens, I, I know what I'm going to say. So um, <laughs> all the miracles he passes up, all the healings he passes up, God didn't, he just, he didn't pass up a front row seat just to Jesus. He passed up a front row seat to what Jesus wanted to do through him. Jesus performed miracles through the disciples. You pass that up. You pass all that up. If you hear nothing else, church, I need you to hear this. If you hold out, if you hold out on God, you'll miss everything. Say everything. Everything that he wants to do in you for you, and through you, promise you, if you hold out, if, if you hold back any chip, any stack, unless you go all in, in the areas. See, Jesus is, you know why Jesus is ruthless? Because he loves you. I already said that. Why do he ask for everything? Because he loved him so much to ask for anything less. There's a story a few chapters later that Jesus is telling his disciples. It's nuts. It's, it's uh, well, he's talking about eternity. He's describing the kingdom of heaven. And he says, there was this guy, this, this master, and he, he went away for a while, but before he went away, he gave one of the servants five bags of gold. And then he gave another one two bags of gold. And he gave another one one bag of gold. And he said, all right, you, you, you do what you need to do, and I'll be back. And then the master comes back. And he finds out that the guy with the five bags of gold, he went all in, had 10 bags, doubled it. Jesus was very happy. The master was very happy. The guy with two bags, two talents, if you will. He used all of his talents. He used all of his skill. He risked it all, went all in, had four bags. It was, good. It was a good day for him. The, the guy with one bag, this is what gets me about the story. The guy with one bag hedges his bet. He plays it safe. He holds back. And, and instead of going all in with his chips, he grabs the chips and, and he takes them and he buries them just to, just to play it safe. I'm just gonna keep them right there. What the master says to this guy, this is what gets me. This tells you how much Jesus, how adamant he is. The, the master doesn't call the guy disobedient, even though the guy was. The master doesn't call him unfaithful, even though he was. You know what he calls him? Wicked. He says, wicked. I mean, it is, I just can't get over when I read that. The man who buried his gold wasn't willing to gamble on God. Think about that. We wonder why we're stagnant in our faith. We wonder why we feel blah. We wonder why I go to church, but I just feel the same when I come, when I go. It doesn't matter. It's because we hold out on God. It's like, God, I want the, I want the testimony. I just don't want to go through the test. God, I want, I want the joy without the sacrifice. I want the success without the failure. I want, I want the miracle without the mess. I want the gain without the pain. But I came to tell somebody, if you want all that God has for you, you need to go all in and all out for him. This is how it happens. No other way. I don't know why. You look at the plight of the disciples. I was going to read it to you, how they all died, but I thought, gosh, that's kind of, kind of, be kind of sad and whatever. But it's, they all die. For Jesus. John's the only one who lived to an old age. That was after he got boiled in oil and survived it. I'm not sure that he wanted to live after that, but he did. I'm just saying. 
the first series I remember at the church I got saved at in South Dakota, the first series 15 years ago that they were teaching on was called Bucket List. And I remember what the pastor said. He said, live with no regrets and love with no remorse. Live with no regrets and love with no remorse. A bucket list is something that people put together because they, they're like, okay, what do, what do I want to do and what do we need to do? And hopefully a lot of it, you know, is involving um, impacting others. But sometimes it's just about having a good time. I actually, I, I was curious, what are some of the bucket list items that are the top, top items that people are wanting to do in this lifetime? If they, if they could go all in an area of this life of adventure, what is it? Uh, the top 10, uh, I just picked, I could, didn't have time for all of them. These were in the top 10. The first one wasn't surprising, skydiving, okay? Anybody ever skydived? A few of you. Okay, you're the ones that made it. I'm just saying, there's people, I'm just, who the heck is jumping out of a perfectly good airplane? That made the top 10 list. I'm not saying no to it. I'm just saying I might need some of that special water that Jesus has in order to do, okay, so skydiving. The next one, this is why I think the people that put this list together may have been drinking. The next one, run a marathon, okay? I'm sorry. And if you've done that, good for you. That's awesome. But this is, that is not my, on my to-do list. That's on my to-don't-do list, right? I don't run a marathon? I, that shocked me. The next one, get married. Gosh, it got quiet in here. If you're with your spouse, smile right now, turn to them and say, you're the best decision I ever made, honey. I mean, do it. I'm trying to help you right now. Holy cow, get married is on the bucket list. I'll give you a couple more. Get a tattoo. Anybody done that on your bucket list? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's, and there, there's always the, the Pharisee who's like, well, in Leviticus, it talks about markings on the bucket. You know what? In Revelation, it says that my king is going to come back, and his thigh will have written king of king, lord of lords. So I think Jesus might have had a tattoo. So there. So I don't know if that's really biblical, but I'm going to go with it. So get a tattoo. Last but not least, and I didn't know this would be the, this was number one. See the northern lights, okay? I don't even know where they are. I mean, I'm guessing they're north somewhere. Sioux City, I don't know. I mean, I just haven't been there. But that was the number one. See the northern lights. <laughs> A bucket list, things that you want to do, things that you want to go all in for. You know, it's interesting. The rich young ruler in the story, that's a true story, by the way. That's not a parable. Jesus isn't telling a story. Jesus is living that story. That guy was real. He lived, breathed, died just like you and me. You know what that tells me? That the rich young ruler eventually became the rich old ruler. And I can't help but think, after his bucket list and all the things he wanted to do, and he's laying there on his deathbed, if he, if he reflects back to the one moment with Jesus, and he thinks to himself, this is, uh, your mind will, I promise you, the older you get, the different, more differently you will think, I promise you. As he's laying on that death, but I bet he's thinking, why? Why did I, why did I not, I mean, Jesus said, follow me. I bet those two words just rang in his head over and over, follow me, follow me, follow Why did, why did I not go in? Why did I not, why did I settle for so less? When I could have gone in for so much more. Why did I cling to my stuff? My possession? Why? Why did I, I? Here I am dying and what I have will die with me. Don't live what will eventually die. At the end of your life, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. 
The only regret will be whatever you held back. I don't know what area it is for you. I'll ask a couple questions here to you to ponder. What risk do you need to take? What sacrifice do you need to make? What risk is God asking you to take? The rich man couldn't, couldn't risk it. It seems insane to us, but I'm convinced if we were put in that position, it wouldn't be just a no-brainer. It, you know, it would be a difficult decision, I think. What risk do you need to take? What sacrifice do you need to make? See, there comes a time, church, when you got to throw caution to the wind. I'm not saying be reckless about it. I'm not saying don't pray about it or make stupid decisions. We do plenty of that on our own. I'm just saying there comes a time when you got to throw down. <laughs> like Moses, remember? You got to throw down your staff. That's what he did. A time when, like Elijah, you're going to burn the plows. Like Noah, you build the ark. Like Peter, you step out of the boat. But you know what, Pastor? Peter ended up sinking. I know Peter sank, but he's also the only one besides Jesus Christ who ever walked on water. I'll take that. I want that, and I think you do too. I think you do too. See, see, every move, when Jake kept making those all-in moves, it, it led him to our ships being even again. And then you know what happened in the next hand. Every move built on top of itself. Every decision that you make, every risk that you take is going to build on itself. Peter, you got out of the boat. You walked on water. You don't think that got the, the, the attention of Jesus? I bet Jesus is like, dang. Peter, Peter's different in more ways than one, but he got out of the boat. He walked on water. And a few chapters later, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, on this rock, I'll build my church. Oh, you'll, you'll deny me, but there's something about you. You're flawed, but by God, you go all in. You go all in. You can look at, Peter, who, who did Jesus select to preach the first church message? You can read it in Acts, it was Peter. 3,000 people were saved. Every, every act builds on itself. Every, how did I put it? Every move we make sets the stage for something else. If we don't ever plant meadows, crossover church in Bennington, Nebraska, it, it, well, it, that's not there. Is it risky to plant churches? Yeah, it's risky to start anything. There's always a chance things are going to fail. What risk do you need to take? What, what sacrifice do you need to make? Would you go all in for Jesus? Because he did for you. See, the cross is Jesus going all in. That's all in. Not, not, not you giving a Sunday morning or a 10% or whatever we think is all in. That's, the cross is all in. The cross was uncomfortable. That's a hint for you. When you go all in, it's rarely comfortable. But I'm convinced, I'm convinced, this isn't in the Bible, this is me, but I'm convinced everything you want is outside your comfort zone. I'm convinced of it. That's why the enemy loves you to play it safe. He don't, he don't, he don't even care that you're in church. He likes it. Because it can trick us into thinking we're doing something other than just maybe coming and taking and getting a message, but not doing anything with it. And I hope that, you, I hope you're doing more than that. I believe many of you are. But, but he, 
he's crazy the way that he wants us to think. He doesn't want us going all in. It's not comfortable. Also, going all in, know this too. We don't do it because we're going to get rewarded, and we don't do it because we have fear of punishment. Jesus, he didn't go to the cross because he's going to get some big reward, even though he did. He didn't go to the cross because if you don't, Jesus, the Father's going to punish you. You know what motivated him to go to the cross? And this, this is what needs to motivate you and I to go all in. It isn't reward. It isn't punishment. It's love. When love's the motivator, it sustains. If this message motivates you to do something out of fear, you won't do it very long. If this message were to motivate you to do something because you feel guilty or shameful, well, I should be doing it. It won't last. It won't. If this message motivates you with the power of love, the power of the love of God in you, that sustains. That's a game changer. The cross is where Jesus went all in. I like to say it this way. The cross is where God put his love on full display. I love that. I love that, and you should too. Jesus went to the cross for us, so we didn't have to. The cross is where, Je- or is where God put his love on full display. And if the cross is where God put his love on full display, then the tomb, the tomb is where God put his power on full display. Because three days later, Jesus Christ was not dead like he was on the cross, but he was alive by the power of a living God. And that should cause somebody in this place to celebrate, to give God praise. Love when you get loud. I think he loves it too. I just think he does. He's a good God. Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, remember that? You know why he said that? Because you've got to be perfect to get into heaven. That's why none of us have a chance in and of ourselves. I do good things. I'm in church. That's great. But you're not perfect. And neither am I. But when you call on the name of Jesus... And by faith, you believe that he died on a cross and that he rose from the dead. And you ask him to forgive your sinful self and my sinful self. And you mean it. And you want to turn from the things and you want to live a different way. You want to go all in for the things that matter to God for eternity. The Holy Spirit enters you. You know what the Holy Spirit is? Perfect. He's perfect. He's God. So, so then when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees his Holy Spirit in you. And you know what he says? You're perfect. You're perfect. Oh, I know you're flawed on the outside. You're messed up. But I see, I see, I see my Holy Spirit in you, and He's perfect. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The reason so many people walk around half dead, and that some of you, if you're honest, is because you haven't died to self. You don't resurrect something that isn't dead. If Jesus wasn't dead, there is no resurrection. Because you got to be fully dead to, to fully rise from the dead. And I see half-dead Christians all the time. I was a half-dead person pretending to know God all my, almost all my life. I know a lot about it. Die to self. You want to live, die to self. Stop following the rules. Start following Jesus. I think, I think sometimes we've cheapened the gospel. I've done it. 
I'm like, all you got to do is, you know, pray a special prayer. I mean, that's, that's the beginning, but that's not all you got to do. You know, all you got to do is go all in. We tell people, hey, you can buy in. You just ain't got to go all in. But that's a lie. Jesus says, go all in for me. Not perfect. Just sell out to me and I will watch what I do in your life. I will rock your world. I will change your family dynamic. I will change your future. I will use you for the glory of God and you will never be the same again. Don't you want that? And I always tell people, because sometimes they'll ask me, how do I know if I'm all in? Well, there's two barometers. Two of the best barometers are, are your time and your money. In this world anyway, that's, that's how you know. Just check those things and you'll know whether you're all in. So this week I'm at the library, my office away from home, and I, I'm, I'm praying over the message that you're getting today. And I'm praying over you. This is Thursday. And I'm thinking about the closing. Other than the gospel, which you just got, surrender your life to Christ, call on the name of Jesus, ask him to come into you and make you new and forgive your sins, and you'll be saved by his grace and your faith. That's how you're saved from hell. That's how you, that's how you have eternity. Surrender it all. He, want, he wants all. He may not ask you to sell everything like the rich young ruler. He just wants it all. He just knew what was holding him back. So I'm sitting there Thursday, and, and all of a sudden I get this, and I don't know what I'm going to do for a closing. I'm like, all right. And all of a sudden this, this thought pops in my head, and it's just separate from the message. But I get this thought, and it's, uh, uh, I remembered I got to reach out to somebody. Because last week, the fi my, our finance person at the church sends me a text, and he really sends me a text about anything about that. And I'm like, he says, hey, the offering was like way bigger than normal this week. And I'm like, oh my God, that's great. And then he says, yeah, it's mainly because of this one gift, this one offering. And it was large. And I was like, okay. See, when I see something like that, I'm like, okay, I have to acknowledge that because God's doing a work. Because that's what I hold on to the tightest. So when someone gives an amount like I was seeing, God's doing something. And I forgot about it all week until Thursday at the library when I'm working on this. So I grabbed my phone and I put the message away for a second and I text the person and I, and I said, I just want to thank you. I said, I don't know what God is doing in your life, but he's doing something. And you only have to tell, because I, I, it doesn't lie. That doesn't lie. And I'm like, thank you for your obedience. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the love of the bride of Christ. Thank you for investing in life. So I'm just thanking the person. I send the text. That was it. I go back to the message. Four or five minutes later, I get a reply. Not what I was expecting. Not that I was, a, a reply is normal, but what the person said. I don't know if I've ever uh, cried in the library before. Until last Thursday. I... So I asked the person permission to share pieces. She said it was okay. Thank you for reaching out. Giving this was the first thing I knew I needed to do. It's crazy how much I've grown from two years ago. She said, I don't know if you remember, but two years ago, I had just re-enlisted. And with that came a bonus. I wanted to give my 10%. I knew that was the right thing to do. But I also know that my heart wasn't fully there. I love the honesty. It's like Elizabeth, I know the rules. I know what the Sarah Bible was says. But if you can move between the D and the G, I ain't in it. I think a lot of us can relate to that. 
my heart wasn't fully there. I know that because I went back and forth, back and forth, if I should or if I shouldn't do it, thinking maybe I could give a little less, like some is better than nothing, I thought. As I was getting ready to press the submit button, listen to this, I kept taking deep breaths. Like this is spiritual warfare. I kept taking deep breaths. It felt like when I pressed the submit button, I did it with one eye closed. And I kept thinking, that's a lot of money for anyone. And I was just thinking of all the things I could do with it, right? We'd all justify that somehow. I did it anyway. I did it, I did it anyway. And I remember getting crap from somebody else about it. Telling me I was crazy to do that, to give like that. I shouldn't have done it. Fast forward to now, two years later. I just sold my home from a divorce. I know the Lord's hand was all over the crazy mess. I got a check from the proceeds, and without thinking twice, I went to the website, I entered all the information, and immediately pressed submit with a smile on my face. And then I prayed. See, most of us, we'd pray before that. Ah, shit, like kind of what, two years ago. I don't know, I could do a lot of, you know. She prays after, and here's what, she's, here's what she prays. I prayed over the money. I prayed it would bless the church. I prayed it would bless those in the church. And I prayed it would bless the community. It's crazy how giving that much money doesn't seem like enough when I fully step into faith. And then she closes with more honesty. It's a struggle every day, but I'm trying. I would tell her today, you're doing more than trying. It sounds to me like you're pushing all your chips in. That's why when I tell you, it's never about money. And you can use anything. I don't know where God is telling you to go all in. I just know you'll know it when you see it. Because it will not be easy. You will wrestle. You will struggle. The people that don't know Jesus will tell you, you don't, you're, you're dumb. You're stupid. You shouldn't do that. But the Bible says it's going to look like foolishness to those that aren't following Jesus. I don't want to, I don't want to just go through the motions. I love you and I love our church. But I know that risk is a core value of Meadows because if we don't risk, you won't live your purpose and neither will I. So I don't know what area it is for you, but I need to pray for you. And we're going to worship one more song and then pray one more time and you'll be out of here. But I hope it's just the beginning of a new life for you. If you're a first-time guest, fill out that card. Let us love you with a gift. If you're surrendering your life or you need prayer, whatever your indicator is on that green card, fill it out. Don't leave here without doing that. Father, I don't know even how to pray. I think of the families in Texas, and I lift them up to you, Father. I don't know if there's anything worse as a parent, anything, than to lose your child. Yet I look at you and giving up your son. And then I think of Memorial Day weekend and I think of all the people that go before us, fight for us, die for us. They've never met me. And then you say, I am the good shepherd. I laid down my life for my sheep. And this is exactly what you did. Here's what I know, and I don't know any of the families in Texas, 
I don't know any of the moms or dads or grandmas or grandpas, but I know they're real people. And I know this. Their perspective has drastically, drastically changed. Maybe some, I hope for the good and drawing close to you. That's my prayer. And God, if there's any that are rebelling or pissed off at you, I know we shouldn't say that in church, but sometimes it's okay, I think, to be real. Because I bet there's people feeling that in Texas. God, I pray that you would draw them in. That you would show them your love and your strength and your courage. Show them your compassion and your, your comfort. As for here in Nebraska, God, we need you to help us go all in. What does it look like? God, it was so challenging for me. I put the message together and then you literally asked me, Monty, what's your all in? Because you can't preach it without living it. You made it pretty clear for me. We're dialoguing, aren't we? It's, I'm not saying it's going to be easy for anybody because comfort is never easy. It's just purpose-driven. It's just abundant life. Thank you for your church. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that he brings. Thank you for the truth. And the truth is this. If we go all in, in, in every area of our life, we'll never regret it. The only thing we'll regret at the end of the day and at the end of our life is the areas we didn't go all in. God, let us be a risk-taking church, a, 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 a church that is burning plows, a church that is throwing down our staff, a church that is walking on water and trusting you every step of the way. We love you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen.